Hey everybody, it's January 2020. Happy New Year. In fact, happy new decade of the 21st century. It's kind of cool to be living in the future. In fact, when I was a kid growing up in the 80s, I imagined what it would be like to be living right about now. It's amazing to see how far we've come, and still, what a long way we have yet to go. If you've been following my work on this podcast or in a few of the magazine articles I've written over the last few years, you know I've put a lot of effort into the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI, in the world of outdoor recreation and environmental conservation. Throughout the last decade, I've reported a lot about the progress that the outdoor industry has made creating positive cultural and professional environments for people of color the differently abled, those who identify as LGBTQ and other socially marginalized communities. But there's still so much that outdoor retailers, manufacturers, and nonprofit organizations can do to create spaces where everyone is not only made to feel welcome, but encouraged to thrive, succeed, and excel. I spent a bit of time throughout 2019 exploring how various institutions in the outdoor industry are rethinking the various pathways they can take to get a wide variety of different people outside. So I made a stop in Atlanta, Georgia to speak to a team of subject matter experts who are leading the way toward making the outdoors more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. Angelou Azilo is the founder and CEO of the Greening Youth Foundation. I think the challenge with a lot of these retailers are trying to figure out how to integrate, you know, the other into what they're doing without it being so freaking awkward. So it shows that we have still a long way to go. For more than 10 years, the Greening Youth Foundation has worked with governmental organizations like the National Park Service, the USDA Forest Service, and the Bureau of Land Management to place black, Hispanic, and Native American young people in paid professional internships. Working now with private companies like the North Base in Patagonia, GYF is trying to expand the diversity of underrepresented segments of the population in the outdoor industry. In a very candid conversation with members of her staff at their offices in Atlanta, Azilo explains the many challenges we face in moving forward the work of DEI. As you can imagine, it can be a little awkward. I'm James Edward Mills, and you're listening to The Joy Trip Project. And that's the interesting thing because it is awkward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah it is. And, and the fact that it, it's awkward is still kind of amazing to me because it's only been within the last couple of years, I mean, like maybe in the last five or six years, that there's many more people of color that are coming yeah. through the door. You know, with, with what Rumap has been doing with Outdoor Afro, what mm-hmm. Jose Gonzalez did with Latino Outdoors, what Lenesper is doing with Natives Outdoors. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only just now that we're seeing this influx of people. Social media is helping a lot. We're seeing mm-hmm. more people. Yeah. Now the question then becomes, how do we move this conversation forward so that it's not just one-offs, it's not just 
a single Instagram post here or there. And I think also how do we allow companies to leverage their interest in diversity into something that is indeed sustainable long term. It's actually a pillar in their success. Mm -hmm. And so what I'd love is if we can talk about how you can help them do that. Yeah. You know, and and I'm I'm just I'm just curious. I mean, like if you were to work with any company in the industry right now, how do you go about establishing that level of capacity to introduce kids from your program or or programs that you might help them do recruiting for to be successful in their companies? Yeah, I mean, the main thing is that this isn't our problem, you know, so I think that is right. our approach. I mean, we, this is what we do on a daily. Right. This is our subject that we, our targeted audience are young people of color. So, you know, if if they approach it from the perspective that we have, we're the subject matter experts, mm-hmm. you know, so we can help, but the focus can't be, you know, what can they do to bring, to what can they do to, you know, bring GYF in, like we have, I feel that a lot of times they want to tell us what to do in our space. Yeah. Okay. So, you know. What is that? Tell in what? Give me an example. Give your example. Yeah. Well, just, I mean, there's so many of them. Yeah. Really? Okay, real quick. There are four other people involved in this conversation. This is Ebony Preston. GYF's Director of Programs. We want to partner with you all. We see what you do. We're interested in this space, but we want to do it the way that we've been doing it, but to say that Greeny Youth Foundation now is along that path. So if it's going to be a college tour, if it's going to be GYF is doing recruitment, they still want it to be done their exact way, just saying, okay, GYF is on it, so now this big change is supposed to happen. We're like, no, the way you've done it doesn't work, right. which is why you have the problem that you right. have. Right. So and it takes time. It takes right. time. Yeah, okay. see, that's the main thing. I think that they're expecting this to like be overnight when it took decades to right. get us to where we are now. Right. So, you know, I really have an issue with these organizations, these companies that are like, okay, we're going to give you this piddling of funds crumbs mm-hmm. fix the problem right. and when it doesn't happen immediately or it doesn't happen exactly the way right. they thought it should have happened right. mm-hmm. then they're tossing us to the curb and right. i'm like that's just not that's not a partnership first of all right. and mm-hmm. i i respect that if you want us to be a vendor and this is a contract thing then you say that and you respect our expertise and mm-hmm. i don't i haven't seen that yet mm-hmm. i mean we do now have a relationship with the north face that i think is more along the, those lines, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that any of the other ones that we work with didn't get parts of it right. Sure, but North Face, and I, and I think they have the advantage of seeing all these other, you know, incidents and you know par- projects and taking pieces that did sure. work and learning from that. But sure. yeah, we're doing a regrant with them, and it's women of color environmental leaders. Mm-hmm. So we're basically providing resources to women of color and we're targeting for recruitment HBCUs, Hispanic institutions and tribal colleges. Mm-hmm. But they they came to us and they were like, We have this money, you guys, this is what you do, you know, so come up with the program. Mm-hmm. And can we give you feedback on the program that you come up with? Sure. So we it's been like this really great back and forth that we're having with them and not a, well, you know, can you wear just our, you know, like Forget about GYF and just wear our, you know, our brand mm-hmm. when you're doing these, you know, like, so. Is it, that's typically what you get. That has been what we got. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, so, I I hear you, but give me a, um, 
substantive example of how that approach is different? I mean, how would that work? So, so basically, this is a GYF program that the North Face is funding. Absolutely. That, that, and that sponsored by them, presented by them, but it's our program. But I say it's our program, but it really was they provided, you know, input. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like we there. So you designed it for them. We designed them. it. We designed it with them. With them. We designed it with them with their input and mm-hmm. insight, and you know they certainly um, informed different you know parts of the program. Right. Um, Similar goals too, because mm-hmm. um, their focus is really trying to get women in these green careers, and so right. kind of narrowing it to that because we're working with diverse students as mm-hmm. a whole, um, and they were like, we want to be very intentional yeah. about. Yeah. So that was something that they yeah. <laughs> That they said, and they also wanted us to broaden, you know, where we recruited women of color. So they mm-hmm. didn't just want specific types of schools. Right. So we, there are certain concessions because we always make the point that we want to support HBCUs. Right. We want to su- support Hispanic institutions. We want to s- support those institutions that are specifically creating these leaders. Mm-hmm. So that's just GYF's thing. Right. But they wanted to make sure, because their base is so big, mm-hmm. that they wanted to get women of color from all schools, right. which we were fine with. Right. So that's like a concession mm-hmm. for the program that we made. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And so if you were to do this from scratch, would you do it the same way with some other company? And if so, what do they need to do to be successful? Well, I'm going to let Rachel, like just your experience with working with federal agencies like the Park Service, when we have done, say, the Everglades, or what do you think that we've been doing with the federal land management agencies, our partners, that is something that we can apply to these outdoor retailers? Because we, you know, they're in a different position. They're public. They have to do certain things. But clearly the relationship that we have established with them is working, and it, it comes from them being open and kind of really vulnerable to mm-hmm. what they're not doing right. Do you think that there are any, she's been with us the longest, mm-hmm. so I really wanted her to kind of give your insight. And although you haven't been working with outdoor retailers, what do you think you can apply to this kind of, this new industry? Mm-hmm. Um, it's more so of a wraparound service. This is Senior Project Manager, Rachel Woods. It's not just, okay, we're going to just do it by the numbers. I've taken the time to build a relationship mm-hmm. with not just our partners there with the supervisors, but also with the interns and the candidates. For example, right now I have about, it usually fluctuates around 20 folks. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them, they've been interns for about a year. So I've known them for a year. I, I know their husbands, I know their children, I know what they're studying in school. And then from there, you know, it's all about building a relationship with them. And then I get to know their supervisor. So I make it a point to try to go to the Everglades about twice a year. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I haven't hit that mark this year. And I've been getting phone calls. Rachel, <laughs> where, I haven't seen you. Or when are you coming down? So it's not just on the intern end, but also on the partnership end. I've been getting those phone calls because when we go to um, – meet with them it's not just okay let me see your project it's how are you doing what can we do to, to to really help you flourish within this within this space because a lot of times our interns are of color and their supervisors are white male and sometimes you do have to have that very transparent conversation like okay you know did you know that she was late because she didn't have bus fare 
Did you know that? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, did you know that she couldn't find a babysitter? Oh, I didn't know that. You know, it's okay, but now we do know. Or, you know, there's certain cultural barriers mm-hmm. that sometimes they're just um, oblivious to, mm-hmm. which is not their fault, but that's why we're there, is to have that conversation and to bridge that gap. Wow. So that's why they're a lot more trusting with us to take the reins, to say, okay, you know, this is out of my hands. Rachel, can you talk to... Tevin about, you know, his issues at home, and so it doesn't overlap into the work. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I do kind of fit into that gap when it's like, okay, what's going on? Are you okay? Like, do you need money? Or like, like, like what happened? Mm -hmm. So, um, I, so I think a lot of times we're missing the cultural gap, mm. and because we're able to bridge that gap and to fill it in, that's where it really allows them for us to um, have more input. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think the the key thing of what she just said was trust. Right. You yeah. know, and right. I think that and accountability. Trust building relationships. You can only build a relationship when there's trust there, right. and I think that that's one of the things that one of the Um, retailers that will remain nameless um, tried to hijack that phase of it where she was saying you know just really building that trust like you know knowing who their husbands are knowing what they're studying in school Mm -hmm. and assuming that oh I could just go to HBCUs and I'll have that relationship automatically just give me your name of HBCUs that you go to and what what are you gonna do with that right you don't have those relationships So you they'll know, show up on career day and... Right. So Jamila runs our HBCY program and share with James, like, it's a lot of relationship lot of building. Of this is project manager Jamila Jackson. Color. It is. Uh, especially bringing people of color into a into an atmosphere that they're not used to and have kind of been shunned and told to stay out of. Um, it's not really an environment that we've been welcomed into, whether it's the retailers or it's the parks or it's the forest. Mm-hmm. We've been kept out of it. So to tell someone, hey, it's okay to come work here, you have to build not only a relationship with the students at those schools, but with the administrators there and the career service staff. Because they're yeah. like, we're not going to send our students just anywhere because that kind of hinders or can um, affect their their credibility. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so it's like, it's not just, oh, get the students here and then everything is fine. No, you have to, the staff has to be comfortable with you coming, Mm -hmm. then the intern has to be comfortable with you and trust you uh, Mm -hmm. to have them go to Alaska. (laughs) Right, and their parents. And their parents. I have a How many parents have you guys talked to before? I've talked to two this week. (laughs) She's like, well, I don't want my daughter in Tallahassee for the summer, so can you help her find something in D.C. or something closer to New York? And that, it's, I I can't really blame them. I had one intern choose Great Smokies over Alaska because his parents weren't comfortable with him going all the way there. So it's, it's more than just oh go to the campus and you have a relationship you really have to you have to get to the school to build their trust you have to talk to them and and let them see the worth in the in the program and the value in the program Mm -hmm. um and help them be comfortable in these areas where people of color have been left out of Um, and i think one of the issues that we've had with outdoor retailers is they don't see the value Mm -hmm. in reaching out to the people of color and Mm -hmm. um, and trusting us with their funds so we can do the work for them right. when they're not able to do it themselves. Right. Um, and so they think they, they don't have to. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. 
So I, in building one of these programs and just talking with the different retailers, you know, we were, we were having conversations about, let's make sure we put time in there for our staff who's recruited these young people to talk to them, to mentor them. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, no, I don't really think we need that. We're like, well, we do that. We've done this for 10 and years. This is right. what right. we right. do. This and is what right. we're saying our secret sauce right. is. Right. This is important. Right. So clearly you're <laughs> undermining right. what we're saying is causing the success. Right. 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 And I was actually going to ask Adrian right. because you got it. She's our director of finance. You have to talk yeah. about. All right. Let's talk about the money. Let's talk right. about the money. And it and always comes back to that. Right. And that's to really, that was really going to be my point. Adrian Bird is vice president of finance and accounting. We're trying to sell them on the value of us. Like they have an understanding that they need us, but they don't want to quantify that. Or they right. want to give a put a quantification in a box right. and that yes. you can't and do that, that do it for us. this right do it yeah. for this because they're used to dealing with a staffing agency or something like that and paying whatever that amount may be which is much higher usually you, exactly and it, it, it typically is I mean if you look at what our total cost overall it's typically the same that they would pay if they paid a finder's fee right. or a headhunter fee or right. something like that but because of value. how we're being introduced and they don't see us as e as equal value right. mm -hmm. then they don't want to always be able to quantify the way that we're saying and we typically are very fair mm -hmm. we're of very we you know we want to cover our costs yeah. we're competitive we're not just giving them some astronomical amount you know because we're saying you know we just have it like that you know right. we we're very understanding we're, we've done research in the market we completely understand what the value of it is and when we bring it to them it's always having taken all of those things into consideration and also making sure that the program is successful and that we can do everything that we know it will take to deliver with mm -hmm. the goals that they set however it's we're always some well sometimes asked okay well we want all of this and then when we give them the price of what all of that costs from a realistic perspective, okay, maybe we don't want all of that. Right. So then maybe then we want away. we right. want this, right. and then when the project starts, then because even dealing with them, dealing with our government contractors, like there's a certain way that we go about doing things as far as far as procurement, execution of agreement, things right. like that. But what we found also in the in the private sector is it takes a different turn for procurement, and it, it all. all Honestly, it stalls a lot, right. but they want us to begin work, and that kind of mm -hmm. goes against our policies, but we also want to keep the client happy. Right. So it's like we're trying to but let them give. know. They don't, they don't, they don't give. You know, we have to fight. Right. We have to fight for contracts. We have to fight for them payment if mm -hmm. they right. have a different expectation. Mm -hmm. And we told them in the beginning that this wasn't going to meet their expectation. Right. Yet, you know, they, they still want it. Right. They still <laughs> want it, but then they also don't want to pay for it. You right. know, so it creates a very big conundrum and we mm -hmm. you know we're constantly working we're constantly evolving our processes in working with them and setting realistic expectations you right. know but i think everyone has to come together with a realistic expectation you know if you want us to do this and this is your expectation trust that we know what it will take right. trust it and we yeah. will put a, a price tag on it not because we are just trying to make tons of money we're not for profit you know right. we're not here to make a profit right. but we want to give you we could all be doing other right. things to yeah. make a, a lot, lot more money, money. Yeah, right exactly. can we all say that together <laughs> a, a lot, lot more, more money, money. absolutely right. all i hear go get the money so i go get it hate means i do something right so i'ma let them yeah i'ma let them yeah 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 i'ma let them i hit the nail on the head
I think it's really important to stop for a second and make one thing perfectly clear. The work of DEI is not a philanthropic enterprise. Research shows that industries and workplaces that are racially and culturally diverse are much more innovative, socially relevant, creative, and productive. Having a base of employees and managers that better reflect the emerging demographics of the communities they serve will assure an organization's long-term success and prosperity well into the future. All I hear go get the money, so I go get it. Hate means I do something right, so I'ma let him. Yeah, I'ma let him, yeah, 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 I'ma let him. I hit the nail on the head, yeah. I mean, a lot of these companies have no problems hiring people. Right. Okay, you know, so, I mean, Pat, who doesn't want to work for Patagonia if you're in the outdoors? That's easy. But if you're talking about creating an environment where you're attracting underrepresented segments of the population, namely people of color, you know, people from other parts of the country, people from HBCUs, etc. There has to be some internal demographic shift right. within the organization. And, and here's the big question. How do you, as an organization, your organization, convince them that it's worth the investment? Well, I think that that's when we start. We have a strict business model. Mm-hmm. And in order to, like, we don't really have to convince them. And I get the point of especially like the Patagonias, they were very clear in telling us that they got people lined up, you know, like banging down the clawing to get into Patagonia because, you know, it's the culture there. When they get in, they don't leave. So our whole thing is the bottom line. You know, Mm -hmm. like I'm not going to try to convince you that morally this is what you should be doing or, you know, this is the right thing to do. But it's going to get to a point where, and it's coming when we are majority minority right. and the fact that you are not your your catalogs your workforce your you know does not represent society it's going to catch up right. and not only will it catch up but if you're wanting to sell to majority of people you're going to have to be relevant to them you're going to have to know what type of styles like i don't know how many brands have sent us stuff we're like we can't even get that on our thigh (laughs) you know what i mean it's not made for our bodies like but if they had somebody diverse on that team when they were designing those different pants and whatever they'll allow for it it'll allow for it they'll know that you have to add a little bit more back here (laughs) or or right Right. here for it to be comfortable for us so you know if they want to be relevant for communities of color they're going to have to start involving people of color in the decision-making process, the leadership of these organizations. Right. But All right, so let's say that they get that part. What can you do to help them internally to make sure that once they get those candidates... Yeah, I mean, we, especially with our our government contracts, our federal partners, because at the beginning, we were just focusing on getting our young people ready. Right. You know, like talking to them about culture shock and when they go into these environments, how different it's going to be and survival for them when they're there. But then we realized that we needed... It's a two-way street. We needed... So we made a call to our our partners and said, look, you you guys have to work on your side. You know, like, because we're getting these young people ready, then they're going into these environments, and they're running. 
because of the racism, the frontline folks that are supposed to be interacting with these students have not gotten any cultural sensitivity training. Right. So they don't even know what to do, you know, to make sure this person that we're bringing into that environment mm -hmm. is comfortable. Right. You know, when they have these issues that are coming up, they don't even know how to talk to them. So then we started incorporating a webinar right. for the supervisors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so then there's also a part once they're there, then the mentoring that goes there. Right. So we need to build that. And I'm not even here saying that we have all that worked out for the outdoor retailers. It's a process. We need to learn where their pain points are, you right. know, but it's something that we need to do together. Right. You know, and I think that that is one of the things we realized early on. It's not a cookie cutter thing. We figured out what no. to do with our federal partners. And initially, admittedly, we were like, oh, it looks the same. They're just as homogeneous. Let's just do the same stuff for them. It's not the case. So it literally is brand by brand, mm -hmm. you know, trying to figure out what's the culture here. Let's go there. Let's learn them. What are their issues? What do they want? Right. You know, so but that's like with any business. Right. You have to learn the landscape and mm -hmm. figure out what their issues are. But it's like we're not being afforded that time to learn it. Like we've showed you and this is so counter to any business model. Like if there's a business that's successful and doing great things, you're attracted to them, but you want, it, want them to do it for them, there's, there's that development. Right. You would afford that development time. But it's almost like we're not being afforded that. So whenever mm -hmm. we try to build in anything in the budget to figure out how to work with you, it, it gets squashed. Right. Like we're not giving you those resources. You, you say you know how to do it for you know these partners. You just do it for us. And if you don't do it right perfectly then, you know, we're not going to use you anymore. Right. You know, so that's kind of, so there, there's a big gap there in terms of their intelligence of working with organizations mm -hmm. like ours and how to figure out how to make it work for them. And I just kind of refuse <laughs> as an organization to say, to keep doing this and expecting a different result unless they step up and say, okay, we get it. You guys are the subject matter experts. I want you like like the North Face example, mm -hmm. you know. But the, for the other ones that aren't willing to be vulnerable and go work on this and do this together with us, you know, I, I just the time. I'm not saying that they're not important. They are. It's an industry that we do believe, you know, we could probably work it and help them. Mm -hmm. But I really need them to step up. Right. Yeah. Right. And so then the the big question is, do they get that help from someone else, or can you help them with that? I would, at first I would I don't even know that they realize that they need the help. Mm. Um, I think that true. they mm -hmm. they first they charge it to culture. So with that whatever outdoor industry person you're looking at, whether it's the North Face King Patagonia, whoever, yeah. you know, part of their position descriptions as a whole or the career website is how do we need somebody that fits our culture? So that could be somebody who likes to go surfing on Wednesday or, you know, who mm. wears shorts in October. You know, it's just like these small <laughs> things and or when we're talking about building out the budget to say, let's figure out time for us to really learn about you and your company and what your needs are, what's good. I think they mix that with, I almost, almost would say like a white culture, right? right. And yeah. so if I yeah. don't fit in, it's because I don't, I haven't assimilated to what I'm supposed to do to fit into that. But I'm like, is that, what, is that what's getting the job done? 
or is it just what you're comfortable with? Right. Um, well, I think it's all about comfort. It's yeah. it's and I That's the awesome. other big word privilege. Like I don't, they don't see it and they don't understand it because when I say it's really important for them to have this outlet or this resource, they go. Oh, well, we don't have that problem. I've heard that so many times, right. regardless of who yes. you Well, that's not an issue here. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's not an issue to you. Right. right. <laughs> Can you give me an example? Just talking about, like, the meals or getting to work every day, like transportation. Everybody mm -hmm. can't afford the Audi or whatever they drive in L.A. Or, you know, right. like, some people have to take public transportation or for you saying, yes, we now have provided this cafeteria where everybody can eat in. Okay, but $15 a day for lunch is probably still really <laughs> expensive right. for some folks. Or, I mean, it's like the smallest things. Mm -hmm. Or it's been intimidating. I've heard this for interns working in outdoor retailers. I've also heard it for folks working in federal agencies and going to places like the Department of Interior where the only people of color that are working there are, like, the security staff right. or the, the folks in the mail or cleaning yeah. up the trash. Like, that paints a picture. Picture. Mm -hmm. And so to be that one intern or that one person of color there, mm -hmm. and then everybody else that staff, especially on leadership, right. like that, that's a pain point. But right. they don't see that. They go, we have diversity. Look, even the guy at security or the male, it's a completely different mm -hmm. view of where that person is. And they don't. Or everybody working in right. the factory is right. diverse. Exactly. Right. But they're counted in our numbers. Right. So we're diverse. Right. <laughs> like, <Whoa. Exactly. laughs> So, and that, I, and I think that that's where you need to figure out what the reality is. And there's yeah. the perception, but what is indeed the reality? Yeah. And I think it's at that point you kind of have to say, yeah, we need to do a better job of defining what that reality is. Yeah. yeah. And and it's it's interesting because you know again as I'm thinking about this story and this whole conversation, how we indeed move this forward. Part of how we move this forward is coming to that awareness. And the question is, whose job is it? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, I we can totally we've done it with our federal partners. So yeah. we know exactly what's needed, but I'm just saying they have to come up to that point. I think the federal partners they, you know, there was like a mandate for them to do it, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. admittedly. It wasn't like they were like, oh, you know, we want to get more diverse people. It was Obama's, you know, initiative, America's Great Outdoors. Sure. You know, there's all sorts of federal mandates and laws that mm -hmm. says that, you know, your workforce needs to look a certain way. They were being graded. And, you know, so there were those pressures making them come to a point where they're like, please help. Right. Right. You know, but I feel that as we start off by saying there's so many people trying to work there. Mm -hmm. They have a ton of money. Yeah. So what's the incentive? What's really pushing them? And. We don't, you know, we can say all day long morally and it beca it's because it's the right thing to do. But right. I think that's the worst reason. That's the worst reason <laughs> because we can't, we don't know what, you know, makes you tick or this. Right. So that's really, I think, the issue. Like, what is the incentive? Right. Why would they have to do this? Right. But I think that they, I think it's, it's coming up quite faster than they see it. So with the federal right. agencies, they go holy crap, in the next five years, everybody that's working is going to be retired. retired right. So they're just like, ah, what do I their do? Urgency. So that was their urgency. Forest right. Service even changed their mission from protecting the land and serving the people to serving the land and protecting the people because they go, we got to get more people up in here. <laughs> right. And so if that means it has to be diverse folks because all these black and brown folks are going to these ag schools, 
then doggone it, that's what we're going to have to do. And our population is going to be bright. Right. So if that's what we got to do, we got to do. And I think the outdoor industry, and I could just, I mean, I'm not in it as much as I am with the federal partners, but Mm -hmm. it is that bottom line. But I think they're seeing it as this is something that's going to happen years down the line. And we don't have to do it today. I think also, to add to that, what we've seen is, you may have one person that's pushing the agenda that says, we're ready, we want to do this, and has all the best intentions in mind, right. but then they have this board or finance or whomever that they have to answer to that says, no, I don't see the value in that. Yeah. Exactly. So, I think so it's the literally time, exactly. starting all over again. Right. Yeah, that's right. a really Every good single point, time. Every, so they have Every single to, time. I think, they have to get together within their organizations yes. and say that right. we're all ready to right. do this. Well, and, and, I think that in that's the moving forward. That's the key. That's and, key. And, in right fact, there. That, I think that and that's something like DE and I work because it's the right thing to do. Is the worst reason to do it. The best reason to do it is because it is a, it's essential to your bottom line. Yeah. Okay. Is. You know, and until you know you get that, that is going to come from the CEO down. Absolutely. And the board members. And the board members. Yeah. And so that it's a, it, until they it becomes that. someone's job. Yes. Okay. Yes. To do this work, do it's it. not. They're not going to do it. And then the other thing is, you know, making you. We see it all the time with these interns, like making the assumption that there are no others out there. Oh you know, like, like when we unicorns. give them, the, yeah, like we're <laughs> unicorns. We give them these interns and they're like, oh my God. No, we do admit that they're great, but there are other great students that, you know, like how many times have you gotten, like for the interns that are there, they're like, we have to extend, we have to extend, we have to extend. We're like, you can do that, or you can bring on some other people. I can find them for you. But 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 I think that that is the, 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 I think the quintessential point to all of this. One last question. I can't tell you how much I really appreciate you taking the time to spend with me today. In your opinion, what's your biggest piece of advice that you can give to any organization that's trying to do this work and do it right? I would say to really assess their own environment, to come to terms with what they want to do and be okay with feeling vulnerable. You know, like trust in the partner, whomever it is that you engage, trust their expertise. Allow them to show you, you know, how the work that they've been doing over many years could work for you. Don't come in engage this person and try to micromanage them, you know, to get to the end result. Trust in their expertise. That's what I would say. And then for the organizations that like us out there, I would say stand firm in what your mission is. It's important for organizations to really assess as well why they are doing the work and how much they're wanting to put in Mm -hmm. to, to succeed. But, you know, I'm all about business. It has to make business sense. Mm -hmm. You know, we're a nonprofit, but, you know, it's a social enterprise. We are all about making sure we can sustain this over, you know, many, many years. You know, hopefully decades until we don't need to do this work anymore. And when, when I first started this 13 years ago, there's so many organizations that are no longer around because they were just, they had this big heart and they wanted to do this work. Yeah, we'll do it for, you know, $1,000 or whatever, and they're not around anymore because you can't feed yourself, you can't feed family, you can't even give your staff the money that they need. So I think it has to be a balance. Yeah. Yeah. After I get it, I reinvest. After I get it, I reinvest.
wanna talk that talk in reality You have not seen me in action You think the come up comes overnight You ain't behind the scenes Trust me, these things don't just happen No shade to Gerald, but G's don't come easy When you try to eat, I produce it and rapping. I read that contract you sent me to sign But excuse me, I can't help myself, I'm just laughing Hey, you try to cut out a piece of my pie And I ask you politely, what's it that you offer me, yeah I produce all my own beats And I have no intention of losing my publisher, yeah Independent individual, boy I've been eating off passive residuals, yeah Let's be professional Thanks for your time, but I had to decline at that principle huh? I've been scheming up a plan, hey I've been saving all I can the Greening Youth Foundation is based in Atlanta, but they provide services and programs for clients nationwide. Angelou Azilo is the author of the new book, Engage, Connect, Protect, Empowering Diverse Youth as Environmental Leaders, now available at Amazon. As we head into the new year and a new decade, perhaps now we can all work together to create diverse, equitable, and inclusive environments where everyone is welcome. For The Joy Chip Project, this is James Edward Mills. Music in this episode by Ian Post, Mowgli the Iceberg, and Eighth Heller is provided by Artlist. The Joy Trip Project is made possible thanks to the support of our partners at American Rivers, the National Forest Foundation, and Patagonia. In our best efforts to protect and preserve the natural environment, we need fresh ideas to reimagine how we see ourselves as part of one big biological community. We believe that through creative storytelling, we encourage everyone to rethink outside. Find out how at RethinkOutside.org. Thanks for listening. But of course, I want to hear from you. Your thoughts help make it possible for other folks to find us online. So please, drop us a note. Or better yet, leave me a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcast. Or send me an email with your questions, comments, or criticisms at info at For now, go be joyful. And until next time... Take care. After I get it, I reinvest, stack it, stack it, stack it, put it back in it. Rappers spending money in some really funny ways, man. I promise you, man, really getting paid. Yeah, show a couple bands flexing on the Instagram, man. Nobody getting fans that way. Yeah, will you really dumb if you spend all your funds on some clothes and your tape near work? Yeah, you ain't gonna stand if you win a businessman, man. I promise you, the plan ain't gonna work. Yeah. Spending money in some really funny ways, man.